Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to Farm Food Facts for Wednesday, September 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Phil Lempert. Later in the podcast, we're going to talk to Caleb J. Hill, the founder of Oco View Produce, a sustainable agriculture company specializes in designing, installing, and maintaining edible landscapes and stormwater management. But first, we chat with John Piotti, the president of American Farmland Trust. John joined American Farmland Trust as president in July 2016, bringing more than 20 years of executive management and public policy experience and a passion for saving the nation's farm and ranch lands from being lost to development. Under John's leadership, AFT is engaged in the most comprehensive study of American land use ever conducted, helped secure an additional $200 million a year financing in federal funding for agriculture conservation easements, and launched new initiatives that advance environmentally forward farming practices, combating climate change and supporting next-generation farmers. So, John, tell me about the American Farmland Trust and why is keeping farmland so important? Well, American Farmland Trust was created in 1980, and we're a unique organization in that we, I think, are really the only national organization that takes a truly holistic view of agriculture. We focus on the land itself, but also on the practices that occur on that land, and then on the farmers and ranchers, the stewards of that land. But a lot of people do equate us principally with uh, the farmland itself. And and I guess in some ways uh, we're known for that because we really championed and led the conservation agriculture movement. Before we were created, there there really was not widespread use of agricultural conservation easements. Protecting farmland is critical. It's not only critical because we need that land and will increasingly need it for our food, but also because farmland is so important, as you know, for a whole range of environmental services. And uh, I actually uh, often tell folks that long before we run out of the land that we're going to need to raise our food, we're going to run out of land we need to help heal our planet. Um, so farmland is really essential. Um, it, is, it is the cornerstone. It is the foundation. It's the infrastructure, really, for uh, a sustainable society. So, John, there's one fact that has me deeply concerned, nervous, and scared. <laughs> okay. That, that there's three acres of farmland that are lost per minute? That is correct. Uh, AFT has been tracking farmland loss for a long time. We were created just after the National Ag Land Study, the first comprehensive look at farmland loss, which was done by the President's Council on Environmental Quality and USDA back in the 70s. And we've been sort of the holders of that data ever since then, working closely with the Natural Resources um, um, uh, uh, Agency at USDA on that, NRCS. Um, And we have found in our most recent analysis, which we completed in 2018, that in the previous 20 years, we lost 31 million acres of farmland And that equates to 1.5 million acres a year or three acres a minute. And just to put that in perspective, 31 million acres of farmland is all the farmland in Iowa. It's that size. Wow. So I I guess my next question would be, why are we losing so much farmland and can we replace it? Well, we're losing it 
for two principal reasons. One, I think, is readily obvious, and that is that uh, development, uh, particularly on the edges of communities, on the urban edge, it's pretty clear, um, new subdivisions, uh, uh, big box stores, shopping malls, and, and the like. That gobbles it up. Um, and uh, we need development, uh, but it could be smarter development. It can be development that occurs Farmland soils is precious, and um, a lot of uh, the land in this country um, is suitable for development, but I would say prime farmland is something we, we shouldn't put new development on. So it's a matter of smart development, putting it in the right places, uh, making it compact, and certainly avoiding placing it on our, our most productive and resilient in soils. So that's one place where we're losing farmland, just sort of um, the obvious development that occurs on the urban edge. But what we're also seeing is parcelization, um, pieces of farmland that are being chopped up in rural areas. And, and uh, in rural areas, you could have one or two houses in the wrong places plopped down on a piece of land that end up taking large swaths of farmland um, out of production. Um, and uh, that is particularly uh, frustrating to see because at least in, if 100 acres goes into 250 dwelling units, it is providing some kind of community right. good at a higher level. When, when, you, when you see the loss in rural areas, it really hurts because often the, the, the societal value is minimal. And, and more importantly, you're taking away an economic engine for that region and so many parts of, of rural America um, farming is uh, the only viable long-term economic engine. So your question about what, what can we do about it, um, we really can't easily uh, find more farmland. I think much of the land, there's some modest exceptions to this, but much of the land in the United States that's suitable for farm, farming um, is being farmed now. Um, what we really need to do is halt the loss um, and, uh, and, and then use the land that is being farmed uh, as wisely as possible. And, and, of course, farming it as well as possible doesn't mean just food production. It also means farming it following the most environmentally sound practices. And those two issues go hand in hand because farming is amazing in that we can simultaneously grow delicious food, nutritious food, and provide environmental benefits. But the truth is you can't maximize both of those things. If you're maximizing food production on a piece of land, you can't also maximize um, environmental benefits. And, and a lot of people miss that point. And it plays into this issue of farmland loss because with every acre of farmland we lose, we don't only lose land that could be growing our food and land that could be providing environmental benefits, but we also put more pressure on the remaining land to be used to grow food more intensely because the amount of food we need doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And what that means is it becomes sort of a double hit. As that happens, less and less environmental benefit is possible from our land. It sort of becomes a, a, a reinforcing downward spiral. So, John, how do we get these real estate developers to take some responsibility and, and really understand that we might not need, you know, another big box store where 
where, where they want to put it. I mean, is, isn't there something that we should or could be doing to to wake them up to this? Well, it's a it's a good question, and and American Farmland Trust has tried to uh, elevate consciousness around these issues for years. We were one of the founders of Grow Smart America back in the in the eighties, and. We've done a lot of work with different communities around better community planning, um, and those things are all important. And I wish we had the resources to do to do more of it. Um, I wouldn't put the blame on developers. Developers are following what is allowed under under municipal ordinances, and developers are responding to uh, consumer interests. Uh, if consumers want three-acre house lots on a farmer field. Um, they're going to respond to that. Now, um, having said all of that, I, I think that we desperately need to up the ante on, on better uh, land use planning. And I think uh, most developers would be fine with that. They will play within the rules that are, that are set. But I think it's our responsibility as a society to, to, um, to uh, make Make it clear, as other nations do, as other developed nations do, that l- losing farmland is just is is not something that we can afford to do. I mean, if you look at a, at a, at many European countries, they basically have no net farmland loss provisions in their law. You can't just easily convert farmland to another use. So we need something like that. Um, on top of it, the other vehicle, which is so important and has been used in the United States, is this idea of an agricultural conservation easement. And the reason that's important is zoning, particularly if you're just creating it new, um, often takes options away from landowners. And sometimes farm landowners, they have all of their, all of their savings, all of their equity tied up in that, in that land, and they don't want to see it developed, but maybe that's the only out for them. Uh, the beauty of an agricultural conservation easement is it's a way to permanently protect that property and simultaneously compensate the landowner for the development value that she or he is giving up. And we need both. I think um, we can't just legislate our way out of this with with better land use uh, ordinances, but that's important. Um, and we can't just buy our way out of it with conservation easements we those are each tools that work well in their own in their own place so i know you attended the honor the harvest forum a couple months ago and Mm -hmm. one of the first people to see the 30 harvest docudrama yes what'd you think i thought it was great i thought it was absolutely superb um it really points out what's what's needed um, you know, American Farmland Trust, we've been talking about farmland loss, but as I said from the beginning, we've always been about the land, the practices, and the people. Um, and, uh, and that documentary uh, uh, touched on all of those, but a real focus on having the right people to follow the right practices. And um, ultimately, that's what we need. Um, as, as you know, uh, we see farming um, as one of the few promising ways to uh, substantively address climate change. It's so critically important. Farming done right can really sequester a lot of carbon and, um, and put us on the, on the right track. And, and of course, all the most recent 
uh, international studies have, have made it clear, not only is that um, would be a useful, but it's necessary, that reduction of emissions is not enough, that we also need to take carbon that's currently in the atmosphere and put it back in the soil. So farming practices are critical and having the right people who are willing to take on those practices are critical. And that's really my takeaway from that documentary was that it really stressed those two things. But I will stress that the third leg of the stool, the land itself is just as important. And it goes back to what I was, I was saying earlier. Um, as we lose every acre of farmland, our ability, even if we have the best of intentions, to use the remaining land for maximizing environmental benefit, that will become more and more limited because the reality is we still need as much food, more in the future. So we need it all. We need to ensure that we have enough farmland and we need to ensure that it is being managed by the best stewards following the absolute best farming practice. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us on Farm Food Facts today. And good luck because we need your work. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And now for the stories you need to know. Are young farmers the new starving artists? The Guardian reports that a small but growing movement of millennials are seeking out a more agrarian life. But the reality of life on the land is not always as simple as they had hoped. Their story follows a woman named Liz Whitehurst, who used to work in digital communications, but dreamt of life outside her cubicle. So she began volunteering on local farms. And today, Whitehurst grows a variety of produce on her Owl's Nest Farm in Maryland. The hand-picked produce includes sweet potatoes, peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, and squash. She runs the farm with two other millennials, Whitehurst was fortunate to be able to lease the land. Her family was able to give her a loan. However, for many others, achieving this is extremely difficult. Young people coming into the ag profession are fueled by idealism. But like the hippies of an other generation and the many traditional farmers who have been driven out of the industry by its brutal economics, the reality of life on the land isn't nearly as simple as they had hoped. Farming requires a large amount of capital without offering an immediate way to repay it. And the stats for new farmers are grim. More than half of U.S. farm households report losses from their farm businesses every year. Young farmers also face inflating land prices as the average cost of farm real estate rose 47 percent from 2009 to 2017. And while procuring and maintaining farmland is becoming increasingly difficult, farmers are also finding creative ways to supplement their income. Farmers are earning revenue from YouTube. According to Bloomberg, it's a sign of the times when farmers make more money advocating for the industry on social media than they do actually farming. As more consumers are growing curious about where their food comes from, farmers are attempting to answer their questions on social media. For some, it's become even an extra source of revenue. For example, Zach Johnson, known as the Minnesota Millennial Farmer on YouTube, made five times more in earnings from the video sharing platform than he can make on the family farm in a year. And YouTube is by far the most popular social media site in rural areas, with 59% of people using it, followed by Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, let's head down to the farm. 
Caleb J. Hill is the founder of New Orleans-based OcoView Produce, whose mission is to provide access to healthy foods in urban communities in an effort to address systemic issues such as food insecurity, food deserts, and malnutrition. He's been focused on planting native plants and working with the land and nature instead of constantly fighting it. Caleb, welcome to Farm Food Facts. Thanks for having me. So I know in the past you had several community farms. You were selling directly to farmers markets, directly to restaurants, grocery stores. But the past couple of years have really been tough on you as a farmer. Tell us what's happened. Well, the main thing that's happened, like in this particular season that just passed, it's just been hot. So like the, even the night cheese, which prefer the cooler nights, it's just been hot all day. And we had a couple of seasons that, where the drought affected us, or we have too much water. So the weather, is, which is something that we as farmers deal with and that we can't control, is it has a lot to do with the quality of product as well as the pests. We have a lot of like tomato hornworms down here, stink bugs, and you name it, they just attack the crops. And because I grow naturally and don't use, um, you know, do conventional farming, it's a little bit more pressure on me because of the way that, you know, I choose to farm. So you've now shifted your focus a little bit. You founded a company, OcoView Produce, um, as a sustainable ag company in designing, installing, and maintaining edible landscapes and stormwater management. Um, what I love is a quote I came across um, of yours. I know food is something we cannot live without, but a lot of people can't afford to frequent places like Whole Foods. I want to provide access to healthy foods to the general public, especially those who live in food deserts. So, Caleb, tell me a bit more about how you're achieving this. Uh, one of the, the main things with because we have the issues with the um, running long rows, traditional agriculture, I introduce people to growing on their own properties in urban areas. So it's what people would normally have grass. I'm encouraging the residents to take that grass up because, I mean, we can't eat grass. We're not, you know, cattle. So um, I, I grow the stuff actually on their property and allow them to be able to interact with nature and it gets them outside. And this, the things that we're doing with, it, with the company now is just things that I've always known from agriculture and we're using stormwater because it floods here so much. Actually, um, Tuesday, one of my clients' neighbors actually lost their car because of street flooding. So what we're doing is things that we've done in agriculture long before I was around, which is um, try to divert that water or direct it into the way that you want it to go. And in this, this that particular case, we're doing it with uh, crops on residential properties. So you're giving them the food access and empowering people that who otherwise wouldn't have the access to the produce, but also teaching them about growing. So it's just, it's the same thing. I just, you know, giving people food access, but it's just a different way that I'm presenting it and doing it on a smaller scale. So when you were at Xavier, you studied biology, biomedical engineering, uh, did some research on diabetes. And what did you find? Uh, what I found when I was doing that study um, is that a lot of people that had diabetes, they knew how to the best things to eat, but they didn't have access to the food. So I would go in there talking to them about their medical condition, thinking that they didn't really know, you know, healthier ways and, and ways to prepare foods in a natural way. But a lot of them did. It was just, you know, 
it's, they, we have a grocery store not far from that, that particular neighborhood where I was doing my studies. And the, if you push your bucket through the produce section, you know, it's quick. You push them fast and you're into box foods. Mm. And it's not a lot of fresh produce there. There's not a lot of variety in that particular store. And they put it there because it is a food desert. They, a lot of those people get like commodities and, you know, pantry, food pantry boxes, which they stopped that program. So that created even more of an issue. So that's what made me change the business model is hearing those people's testimonies about, well, yeah, I do have the stresses of this condition, but it's really, I'm hungry, you know, and I'm not getting proper nutrients. So it's, it's sending me into hyperlipidemia and diabetes, hypertension, and, and they didn't just have diabetes. That was another thing I learned. A lot of them didn't just have diabetes. They would have some other chronic health condition to go with it, whether it be cancer or somebody with high blood pressure and diabetes at the same time. Well, Caleb, you're doing fabulous work. Keep it up. Um, we will we will pray to make sure that the weather gets a little bit better for you uh, so it's a little easier. And thanks for joining us today on Farm Food Facts. All right. Thank you. For more information on all things food and agriculture and to listen to our archives, please visit fooddialogues.com under the Programs and Media tab and visit us on Facebook at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next time.